With what seems like half of the field here at TX2K running upwards of 2,000 wheel horsepower, you'd think that competing in a Honda S2000 would put you on the back foot. But we're here with Stuart, owner of this S2000, to find out that he's still pretty damn competitive. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. A lot of that, Stuart's going to come down to the power you're getting out of this S2000. How much is it making? Uh, so we had it on the dyno last week. It made seven or 960 horsepower on about 42 pounds of boost out of the factory four-cylinder motor that's been beefed up. Okay, so that's got to put you in at least the top few percentile of S2000s anywhere in the world. Uh, taking a two-liter F20 engine uh, that's in stock form, naturally aspirated, and getting close to a thousand wheel horsepower out of it is no mean feat. Can you start by talking us through the engine combination you're running in there? How do you make that F20 reliable at that sort of power level? Absolutely. So it's a Golden Eagle sleeve block, uh, still using the factory blocking crank from this actual car. Uh, the motor had about 120,000 miles on it when I took it out, so I mean that's kind of a testament to Honda's Honda stuff right there. Uh, so it's using a powder X-beam rod. It's using CP custom pistons I've had done. Uh, then Watt with Watt Shop that does all of our GTR work uh, did some pretty cool stuff with the cylinder head. Uh, the copper valve seats have been done on there. Uh, it's got a BC Stage 2 cam, Ferreira full valve train. Uh, but yeah, besides that, it's you know just been working. Yeah, that's uh, still got a fair bit of work going on in there. One of the the uh, problems we see with a lot of turbocharged small capacity engines is head gasket integrity, head gasket reliability. Obviously, as we increase the boost pressure, there's more combustion pressure in there, and holding the head down tight and not letting that combustion pressure out can be challenging. And what are you doing there to keep that integrity sound? Yeah, so believe it or not, it's actually a factory Honda head gasket. Uh, it's got the inline pro 12 millimeter head studs, which is probably what's keeping it together pretty well. But so far, we haven't had any, any issues with the head gasket. I'm assuming, though, as well, moving to the uh, thicker sleeves that are a little bit more resilient, that's going to help you as well? Uh, absolutely. I have no doubt that you know this car would be blown up in pieces all over this track without, without doing the sleeves in there. <laughs> Okay, so the engine, obviously that's there to handle the power, but uh, it's that turbocharger that's really making it all work as it does. So what have you got fitted to it? Uh, so the, it's a Precision 6466. Uh, we've had to kind of result to just dumping the exhaust out the hood just because these motors are really uh, bad for vibrations and whatnot, so I kept breaking exhaust components. So I just decided to put it out the hood, but yeah, it's a 6466. Now, on paper, that's not a massive turbocharger. So are you sort of getting near the limit of the power capable of that, well, that, that, that turbo is capable of? Uh, I can imagine that we're probably pretty high with exhaust manifold pressure at this point. Uh, I drive this car to work three or four days a week, so I'm not looking for a super laggy setup. I just I enjoy driving it on the street and uh, having the power when I want it. Uh, tell us what you're running in the way of the fuel system there. What fuel for a start is it running and, and what's the rest of the fuel system to handle that? Yeah, so it's using Ignite Red, which is like I think an E90 blend with probably some race gas. Uh, the fuel pump is the, the Veyron fuel pump that people have been referring to, the brushless pump that Walbro makes. Uh, it just got kind of a rudimentary controller in there with a JMS voltage booster. Uh, so it's making quite a bit of power out of a single pump. Uh, definitely be getting one of the injector dynamics fuel pump controllers soon. Uh, as far as fuel injectors go, it's obviously got injector dynamics, uh, 1,000 cc's and then 1,700 secondaries. 
probably a good time to stop and just mention that you do work for T1 Race, Injector Dynamics uh, Development and uh, Retail Outlet, so obviously the Injector Dynamics brand makes a, a, an appearance there. And we just go back to that Vuron pump, the brushless pump, and this is something we're, we're seeing them pop up and we know uh, we've filmed our own tech segment on the ID uh, brushless pump controller. Uh, tell us what sort of makes the brushless pump technology stand out and why can a single pump supply so much fuel? Right, so with the brushless stuff being so much more efficient without having all the brushes and then the heat from the brushes themselves, uh, then having the ability to you know control the pump speed, uh, which is really where the ID controller is going to shine. Uh, we can drive the pump really hard when we need to because uh, you know getting the, the flow and the pressure out of one out of a single pump to support this is pretty difficult. So yeah, it certainly simplifies the system rather than conventionally uh, you might see a system like this running two or e even three pumps so it makes everything a, a lot easier. Okay, let's talk about the electronics package on the car. What are you running there? Yeah, so it's a MoTeC M130 ECU. Uh, it's a GPR package that comes off the shelf. Uh, Tony Palo with T1's been the mastermind behind everything. And I've you know, no doubt that this car wouldn't be what it is or as reliable it is without him doing that. Uh, it's got a MoTeC C127 EC or compute dash in it. Uh, but yeah, besides that, it's just basically the, the MoTeC GPR package tuned by Tony. Now, that GPR package gives a lot of flexibility to the tuning, as well as you've just mentioned getting the reliability there in the engine. But uh, you've also got a two-wheel drive car making a huge amount of power. And uh, for drag racing and roll racing, getting that power to the ground is so critical. So what, what are you and Tony doing there with the ECU to help manage the power delivery? Right, so the Motec traction control system is really, really advanced from what I've seen. I mean, I'm not a bright guy by any means, but... I mean, I can tell how well it's working just looking at the front and rear wheel speed that we're using that and then just setting up the actual slip percentage, which Motec has really cool setup on there. Uh, so the car actually hooks really well for, you know, 800 or so on the street, uh, third, fourth, and fifth with the arrow on the car and the 305 tires. It, it, it works really well. Uh, but yeah, first and second, completely un useless on the street without the Motec. <laughs> So you've got traction control in there, but you're also varying the boost dependent on gear as well? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we have it set up boost by gear. Um, it's pretty crazy the track prep here at 2K because typically I have about 30 to 40% of boost available in second, and it's just it'll just ride traction control even at that in, in certain situations. But with the track out here, I'm at 80% in second, and it's it's working. So it's pretty crazy how, how sticky it is. So basically you're all in by third gear yeah. and from then on in. And what sort of boost pressure did you say you're running? Uh, so it's upwards of 40 in the mid-range, and it kind of falls off up top. So 35 or so. But yeah, it's 100% boost, third, fourth, and fifth. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. Now that Motec Dash as well, uh, we, we see these fitted to a lot of high-end race cars. Uh, one of the important things to, to mention there is that in most use when you're actually jag racing, the driver's really going to be focusing primarily on just watching the shift light. Right. Uh, so it might seem like a, an overcomplication or unnecessary expense, but one of the real great benefits of having a dash logger like this is the ability to uh, have driver warning. So right. this means you can concentrate on driving the car, but if anything goes outside of bounds, uh, you can bring up that that warning and instantly react and often that can even save a very expensive engine. So what sort of warnings are you using on the dash to, to make sure everything stays in one piece? Yeah, so I actually have gotten pretty comfortable with Display Creator itself. So I created the, the whole file in the car. Uh, I've set up all the channels and the alarms to display actually what's wrong with the car. So you fuel pressure or um, if there's a, a boost issue, uh, oil pressure warning. I've got all that programmed in a little section that I built on the display itself to, to relay the message to me instantly. 
So instantly bringing your attention so you know exactly what's wrong and, and what you need to do. Now, let's talk about the rest of the drivetrain in the car because again getting that sort of power to the rear wheels is one of the keys, doesn't matter how much power you're making if you don't have a reliable drivetrain and I'm pretty sure the stock 6 speed Honda box was never going to put up with that. So what have you got, got in there? Right, so I, I tried the whole, uh, you know, trying to hide from reality and use a six-speed for a while, and it worked at 600 every once in a while, uh, but now it's got a Quave six-speed sequential in it. It's the 69G model that they make. Uh, it's got a Nissan R200 rear end out of, like, the 300Zs, uh, I believe some Skyline models, uh, carbon drive shaft shop, drive, uh, main drive shaft, and then the DSS 5.9 axles as well. Yeah, that's going to give you something pretty bulletproof. The other advantage with going to a sequential box like that, Quave, is clutchless shifting. So are you using functionality through the MoTeC to provide that, and how does that work for you? Right, so I, I'm really only using the clutch uh, in this race on the initial takeoff, and then besides that, we're using the Quave load cell uh, that Tony's using with an ignition retard just to, you know, with enough pressure, I just yank it back and it falls in gear. Uh, but it does have an RPS carbon clutch for when we drag racing as well, so we can slip it uh, along with the Magnus flow control valve that we're able to, you know, only work above or below a certain mile an hour. So it's not actually happening on the shifts if I need to clutch it as well. Okay, so I just want to back up there and sort of dive into a couple of those aspects you talked about there. So first of all, just for our listeners who are watching, that uh, load cell on the gear lever, it's a strain gauge which basically tells the ECU whether you're pulling back on the gear lever. And when you pull back on the gear lever hard enough, it can provide an ignition retard or a cut. So it allows you full throttle shifting. You don't need to use the clutch with that dog engagement gearbox. But uh, the other bit that you just talked about there is the, the clutch slipper unit. So here at TX2K, you're entered in roll racing. So the launch really isn't a critical aspect but you've said that you do want to take this car drag racing as well and getting a, a car off the line particularly a small capacity turbocharged engine can be really tricky balancing that sort of traction and slipping the clutch is critical but it's really difficult for most drivers to consistently get the same amount of slip so these clutch slippers I think we've used them in our own drag cars and they're kind of one of those dirty little secrets of drag races and not a lot of people know how they work. Can you explain exactly what it does? Right. Yeah, so it, like I said, it's the electronic unit that Magnus Fabrication makes. Uh, so we're actually logging the clutch pressure with a MoTeC 3000 PSI sensor in there as well. Uh, so we'll play with it and see how much actual delay we want and slip we want in the clutch. Uh, and once we're able to get that dialed in, we'll be able to just make a couple adjustments at any race. Uh, but again, we won't be using it after the launch. But again, with the consistencies where it's all going to be out with the drag racing. So the key there is that you as a driver as soon as the tree counts down and you get the green light you can sidestep the clutch but instead of that clutch instantly engaging that Magnus unit is providing a slower release for the clutch building in some slip. Yeah exactly yeah so before you know if you just if you just try and slip it yeah you might give it once every once out of ten times uh, but with this you know it's going to be just absolutely the same thing every time. Only downside, of course, is uh, purposely slipping the clutch is going to put some wear into the clutch, but with those carbon clutches, they are able to support a lot more heat and, and last a lot longer. Now, let's talk a little bit about the results you've had from the car already. We saw you last year at Pikes Peak Airstrip Attack running in the half-mile uh, race event. Uh, what, what's your best mile now so far? Uh, right, so I ran the half-mile. Uh, the DA that day in Colorado was like 9,600 feet DA, so the car is down like 15 pounds of boost from what I remember. Uh, it went 181 in some change in the half mile uh, at that point that was actually a world record for the honda s2000 platform uh, there's a 2j car that ended up taking that back a couple weeks afterwards uh, but i plan on getting out to any the indianapolis half mile this year and going over 190 pretty easily 
I'll just go back on that as well. You just mentioned DA of 9600, so that's density altitude. And for those who aren't aware, Pikes Peak, we are at high altitude, so you've got low air density. Uh, there's pros and cons with that. With our very, very high-powered cars, we actually see an advantage because the lower air density means it's easier to push the car through the air. And once you're down around that 1,000 wheel horsepower or below, it just makes it harder because you're not making as much engine power. Here at uh, TX2K this morning, we had a density altitude of minus 680 feet, so that means the air is really dense, it's really good, and it makes it much easier to make power. Uh, also, you want to take this car drag, uh, drag racing on a quarter mile, and uh, you haven't done that yet, but uh, with that sort of power level and the rest of the setup, what do you think it's capable of? Uh, you know, it's always one thing to hope and, you know, hope what it runs, but I think best I can estimate, it should go 880s, 890s, it's somewhere around 160 miles an hour. Oh, look, Stuart, it's an impressive package. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing how it runs this weekend, and good luck for the event. Thank you very much. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.